Today on CityCast Philly, there is a battle brewing in Fishtown. The Fishtown Kensington Area Business Improvement District is trying to take control of a house it says is an eyesore. But the family that's owned the home for generations says they're being pushed out. How is any of this legal? We're exploring a state law known as Act 135. It's Wednesday, January 24th. I'm Trinae Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Samantha Malamed, investigative reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. You recently wrote about the battle over a family row home on Frankfurt Avenue. Can you describe the house and the neighborhood that it's in? Yeah, so the house uh, belonged to the Pomeroy family, and um, they've been in the house for, I think, at least since the 1970s. And it's just an ordinary uh, Philadelphia row house with a big side yard that, you know, in sort of like the typical condition that you see a lot of Philadelphia row houses in, it's not in great shape, but it's not falling down either. It does need some rehab. And the yard is fenced in, but I'm told there is a, a car that has a tree growing through it there. And so this house has basically stayed unchanged over the years as Fishtown has completely transformed around it from this very working class, relatively low income community to a really extremely gentrified community with a lot of restaurants and uh, cocktail bars, high-end hotels, and pretty affluent residents. Samantha, you reported that the Pomeroys fell on hard times, and that's threatening their ability to keep control of the home. What happened? So Lindsay Franklin, who is the granddaughter of the original owners, described to me that her aunt, um, Denise Pomeroy, was living there um, for years by herself. And a few years ago, Denise uh, had a fall. She collapsed on the front steps. And it turned out um, her she had pretty advanced diabetes and she had lost the use of her legs. And so she had to go into um, a skilled nursing or rehab facility. And uh, that's where she'd been for the past several years. So, you know, the family was trying to take care of the home. It was cited by the Philadelphia Department of Licenses and Inspections as unsafe, but the family brought in a contractor, they put on a new roof, and the contractor said that, you know, the things that that Elle and I had flagged, that they were not structural. And so the family thought that they sort of had time to figure it out, and they wanted to give Denise time to potentially come home if that's what was going to happen. And she, unfortunately, later passed away. Yeah, she passed away um, just this past December. So the family experiences a loss in their family. They're trying to make the improvements on this home. But then there also is a conversation happening among the Fishtown Kensington Area Business Improvement District. This is a local neighborhood organization that is trying to take control of the home. How are they able to do that? So they're using something called Act 135, which is uh, Pennsylvania's conservatorship law. It was enacted about 15 years ago. And then in 
in 2014, um, lawmakers really weren't satisfied with how much it was being used. Right. So they really expanded the law to create more incentives and to change the rules around doing it. And basically what the law says is that if there's a property that is has not been lived in for more than a year and meets some other qualifications as abandoned, and it's also blighted, which means that it is a nuisance or not fit for habitation or some various other uh, criteria, then um, a nonprofit or a neighbor can come in and take over control of the property, bring it up to code with the authorization of the court, and then sell it. And in theory, the the, uh, property owner will get whatever is left over, but first uh, the conservator gets to pay off all their expenses and they get to take up to a 20% cut of the sales price. Samantha, what was the intention of Act 135? You know, the former uh, state rep, John Taylor, who introduced the uh, legislation expanding Act 135, described to me um, a property that was next door to his district office that was, you know, attracting squatters and drug use and all sorts of illegal activity. And that was, you know, just a constant source of like nuisance and embarrassment to him. And so... His idea was that properties like that, neighbors uh, should have some control and be able to um, help take those properties and put them back into some sort of productive use so that they don't have to bear the burden of of that type of activity in their neighborhood. So what benefit is it for a neighborhood nonprofit to have control of these so-called abandoned homes? So... You know, an organization like the Fishtown Kensington Area Business Improvement District, um, their mandate is to pick up trash, do all the things that, you know, will will sort of like make the community conducive to business. And so, you know, I think coming at it from a business oriented mindset, from a mindset of trying to maximize property values, um, you can understand why they would see this as, you know, land that could be converted into, you know, a business use that would also then, by the way, um, improve like their own uh, revenue base because businesses have to pay them a fee as part of the being part of the business improvement district. There's also a profit incentive because they get up to 20% again of the sales price, which for this property could be around a million dollars or even more. Mm. More on the impact of Act 135 after the break. This is CityCast Philly. Okay, Samantha, we've talked about how Act 135 is supposed to work, but your reporting went a little deeper. You covered a study from the University of Pennsylvania that found that the law had a disproportionate impact on Black and Asian American property owners. How so? So based on simply where this law is being applied, the researchers found that the petitions are 64% more likely to be filed against properties owned by Asian American property owners and 20% more likely to be filed against Black property owners. I think that there are obviously many complex reasons for that. But I think that the one that that Penn was sort of trying to highlight is that, you know, these are in areas like uh, Graduate Hospital and Point Breeze where property values have really increased. And there is so much 
financially at stake, there's money to be made from these properties. And so that is, is the concern. And obviously for many families, this is their only or their primary asset and their only, only or primary source of intergenerational wealth. You mentioned Graduate Hospital as another area where you might see Act 135 being enforced. Where else in the city is Act 135 maybe being used? So, I mean, it's kind of all over the city, um, but you see it a lot in Point Breeze, in Brewery Town, also in parts of West Philadelphia. There was a family I spoke with that they had been through a fire in their home, I think in sort of Pelton Village area in West Philly. And there was an Act 135 petition filed months later while they were still going through the process of dealing with their insurance company. And in that case, they were able to fend it off because they the house was not clearly not abandoned. But you see that kind of thing happening pretty regularly where uh, maybe there was a fire two years earlier and that family might still be like hoping to uh, figure out a way to rebuild, but that is long enough to be considered abandoned under the Act 135 law. This seems all so interesting to me and it seems like something like that is just like miscommunication. So it's like, if you're a neighborhood nonprofit, why wouldn't you just talk to me (laughs) about my home or you know, just reach out to me. Are those type of conversations happening among these uh, organizations and residents? It's hard to say because that was sort of probably if those conversations were happening, you wouldn't see (laughs) the Act 135 petition. But like when you look at these petitions, one thing that surprises me is like, these buildings aren't really in that bad shape. Maybe they need a new roof. Maybe they need new windows, like just to get them up to code. And I think that that is sort of what a lot of critics are saying is like, often people like need help and maybe not even that much help to be able to bring their properties into livable condition. But the way that the law is designed, it doesn't really like create an incentive to do that, um, certainly there are properties that uh, there's legitimate call for the use of this act where speculators are sitting on properties that, you know, are just like uh, decomposing where right. neighbors' homes are being dragged down by collapsing property. Right. And I, I guess like from the perspective of the nonprofit, it's hard for them to know what the reasons and motivations are for the person who's letting a property in their view fall into disrepair. Interesting. Is there any movement or call to change how the state law works to protect families from losing control of their homes? I think that there that this is like a pretty new conversation. The use of the act has really increased in recent years. And I think as as there's sort of like a growing number of people who say that the act is being used to, um, you know, used against them when it's really a matter of like people who don't have the money to keep up properties and all those other things that, that create challenges for people who have inherited homes, but don't have a lot of like liquid capital. I think people are starting to push back on it, but 
think that's like still a pretty early conversation and and I haven't seen um, any state lawmakers pick that up. Samantha, when will we know what's going to happen with the Pomeroy's house on Frankfurt Avenue? The judge in this case set um, a subsequent hearing date that's set for May 15th. And I think my understanding is that the Pomeroy's are, you know, looking at whether there's an opportunity to settle the case before then with the bid potentially by some sort of agreement to sell the property. Whatever happens, the property is not going to be almost certainly not going to remain in the family's possession by the end of this. You know, for Lindsay, who is the granddaughter of the original owners, she feels like it's like the neighborhood changed. Their house didn't change. And she just feels like this is like a class class warfare kind of thing. Uh, and I do think that's an important point because I don't think that their house would look out of place in a lot of neighborhoods in Philadelphia. You know, they need help. They like, or they needed help. But bottom line is like, because it's in Fishtown, that feels like why this is happening. Samantha Malamed, investigative reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thanks so much for joining me on CityCast Philly. Yeah, thank you. You can check out Samantha's full story by clicking the link in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Let us know what you think of this episode. Tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. Be sure to sign up for our morning newsletter, Hey Philly, to learn more about what else Philly's talking about. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Bye.